a living faith, the factual or memory knowledges that are tied to good are the key. And one way of thinking about that is that the good is practice. Because the good has always got to be related to the end in view. And the end in view is the salvation of the human race or the regeneration of the human mind. So anything that's building toward that is good because that's the ultimate good in terms of spiritual development goes. So often, like if you do the transposition, if you just throw in the where good occurs, you could throw in the word practice instead and just see how it relates to what you're reading. And it can be really helpful. Sometimes it won't work because it's a higher form of good or a more abstract form of good that's being spoken about. But most times it does because the text really does address what's termed those who are of the spiritual church or those who are working toward that good by means of their understanding of truth. So if you interchange these words, whenever you read charity, put in self-examination and repentance or shunning evils as sins. Just transpose it with that and you'll see that the passage will probably open up for you in a different way. Wherever the term Lord occurs, transpose it with word and think in terms of the text and that will open up things for you as well. So just a little bit of freedom and playing with the text. You're not altering the text as such, but you're certainly expanding the capacity for greater meaning. And that's helpful in this work particularly. There's our work, which is, you know, we're working directly with this material. For most people who aren't or haven't had contact with it, it's very abstract and difficult to access, perhaps. But what it is, is that for us who are working with this material, if we are genuinely engaging and participating in what's here, then we begin to have our direct experience as the illustration of what's here. And then through that illustration is the means by which we can bridge to others. So that is the good. So we work with truths. That's our work. You're not going to give those truths in that raw form to somebody else. But the output through us in terms of an ability to be more sensitive to an interior state or whatever it happens to be, a sensitivity to hearing the Spirit of the Lord in the situation, all of that builds because our minds are being reshaped and they're being reshaped in a way where they're sensitive to where we can meet another in a way that's real. The ability to discern or that midwife function comes through practice. And there's obscurity. That's what it talked about here, the generals and the natural. And there's a lot of obscurity around it. But the other side of it is, is that, yes, you know, we might be in obscurity and find ourselves in a situation where we're doing the best that we can, but we've got no idea what we are doing. But thankfully, the Lord in the person can sort that out in a way that we have no idea about what's going on in them, you know, like it's not like we can know what another person's true state is, but we can hear what it is we are being asked to bring into the situation. And then we just have to trust that we've done what's being asked of us. 
And sometimes that'll involve not saying or doing anything. It can involve a conscious silence as well. So there's what we subscribe to as our belief, and then there is how we live, which reveals our beliefs. So that is what this work puts us in front of. You know, if that was set up as a task or a practice, we would probably get to see the distinctions. Because when we're in the belief that we are a self, that we are autonomous and independent, which is most of the time, a large part of our natural mind is organized around that belief. So it is a slow, incremental work to have our sense of self elevated out of that and placed in what is good and true. And that is the belief, you know, a lived belief that, yes, I feel that the life that flows in is me. I feel that. But I know that it isn't and that it isn't as of self. And to be in that is a different experience to being in the proprial self. I mean, a direct experience that I can relate is where I am invested, I, myself, is invested in some sort of outcome and I'm asleep in that state and I'm just responding and acting in a way whereby I'm trying to get that outcome and then realizing what I'm doing. And as soon as that realization hits, there's a shift in state And whereas I may have been worked up and maybe, you know, emotions of anger or whatever are present in terms of this other person's opposition to what it is I want, when that shift of state occurs, it's like there's a realization that it's just completely proprial and there's a stepping back or that change of state, there's a realization that what I'm trying to get, it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. It's what's seen now in that exchange that matters in terms of spiritual work. And so the whole thing becomes something that was totally coming from the wrong space. So there is a sort of a a contrast of a different way of being in that moment of realization, you know, before I walk out the door and meet the next person coming down the road right (laughs) so the work is one of constantly having to come back to the principles from which we're trying to live and even in that effort there's something of self involved but through making the effort which is the lord in us right that slowly shifts our sense of self out of that which we've built up over the course of our whole lives in the belief that i am a self into a recognition that the Lord alone is the self and the Lord alone has life. And that puts me in a totally different relationship, not just to the Lord, but to life and everybody else as well. So just in regard to that, just coming to the idea of enemy, who is my enemy? There's a question, right? When I am in the infernal proprial self, who then is my enemy? And it's anything that's going to expose that. And so what comes from the Lord when I am in that state is seen as a threat and an enemy. But if I bring the principle to love the good, then 
that gives space for me to be elevated out of that identification so that insights can be provided, represented by these births, into what is actually good. And the exposing of Pharaoh and the molestations and all of that from a lower perspective seems bad. From a higher perspective, it is the means by which we're actually separated from those things and so that we can be established in what is higher. So the principle of recognizing the good is a recognition that the process is managed by the Lord regardless of where we happen to be in it for the sake of the end, which is the salvation of the human race or the regeneration of the human mind. So the Lord's divine human is the divine good and everything that proceeds from the Lord's divine human is what enables us to access that. So the divine human as we experience is our idea of the Lord and that's only possible through truths. So the word is often described as the Lord's divine human because it's that through which we can come into knowing what good is. So you can't approach good apart from truth, because truth teaches what good is. And as we respond to truth, the process is one of, you know, that good is brought forth into life. And in that state, the truth becomes good.